0: Just a quick note, there are descriptions of violence and war injuries in this episode that some listeners may find upsetting. You're listening to Resident. Al-Mukin Residente. A ten-part series exploring individual perspectives on the immigrant experience in Ireland and the personal histories that led them here. This is episode two, Tarek.
1: My name is Tarik Shrayev. I am from Alibo Syria. I was working in Syria as ear, nose, throat surgeon. I came to Dublin three years ago, almost three years ago. I think I can describe my childhood as was so happy. Part of my happiness as childhood because I have two brothers. So my older brother, 1987, and my middle one is 1988 and I am 1990 so we are like friends and brothers playing football outside uh, going to school together back together watch some maybe uh, cartoons after we finished uh, school my father is uh, is engineer electrical engineer my mother is like teaching uh, Arabic for high schools and in college so we are like uh, well-educated like uh, family my middle brother He's in France now. He's telecommunication engineering. I have two sisters, one of them also a doctor. Another, she is preparing to be a pharmacist. Aleppo is a very old city, very, very old. And it was like in the Silk Road from Asia to Europe. So it's very old buildings and very, very nice heritage. So every time I, I have time, maybe in the weekends, uh, we and my friends go to old city, eat uh, traditional meals there, like... There's something we call hummus, ful, uh, falafel, uh, shawarma, alibo food. It's so nice, so delicious. Also fatty. <laughs> it, it, it's not uh, quite a city. It's like noisy city. There's a lot of people out, outside selling their stuff, some maybe traditional music and waiting for the customers to come to buy. Everybody is welcoming you. Everybody is generous. You will feel safe. It's it's full it's full of life. It's a city full of life. I like to uh, help people. It's my like passion. I want to help people. So uh, when I was in high school, my older brother he was like I think second year, in uh, mid school. So I like seeing his papers, his uh, what he was studying at that time. I think oh, finally I I found my passion. My passion is for uh, medicine. I have high grades. So I I can easily enter the mid school in Alabama University Hospital. It was so interesting, so nice. I, I really miss these days. Our, our teachers, our professors, was nice, kind. We learn a lot, and uh, I, I study when I have to study, and then when I don't have to study, I I just like having fun, going outside, playing football, table tennis, basketball with my friends. Everything was nice. Everything was nice until the war came and started, and it's ruined everything. When I was in like uh, fifth year, the war starts in Syria. Day by day, you have you have lack of electricity, lack of water, lack of uh, some food, and uh, then the Aleppo divided to two sides. One side with the regime, one with the rebels, and uh, tough, tough. Very tough, like, uh, time at that time. At that time, I was uh, first year intern in, in T department and university hospital. As first year, you are the first line. So you have to see the patient first. From early morning until night, there's a lot of casualties from pumping. So there's a lot of casualties, a lot of wounds, a lot of deaths also. So I was, like, so uh, like emotionally and uh, physically on me that first year. It was very really tough, yeah, very tough. And the lack of electricity was so bad. Lack of fuel also. Also, sometimes if you uh, like leave your house, you don't know if you can come back because there's bombs all around the city. So the last year, I have like a national uh, exam. All the doctors around Syria, they have the same exam to graduate. So if I failed, I, c- I couldn't graduate. At that time, we, we didn't have any electricity to study. So I changed my, my, all my routine. So I wake up, I think, uh, after sunrise, some like very light breakfast, and study until sun, sun, sunset. Then after sunset, one hour, back to sleep. Usually I slept eight o'clock in the, in, in the evening, seven o'clock sometimes. Before war, I usually sleep like uh, one o'clock, two, because there's no electricity, so uh, what should I do? I was more afraid of worrying about uh, my family. More than me, so uh, every time I have a call from my mother after midnight, I feel very worried, very scared. If any bumps near us, anything with my family, with my relatives, at that time I'm always uh, like uh, worried about my family more than myself. Yeah. What happened one day? Is my mother called me in the morning, and she told me uh, that your cousin uh, passed away. He was, he was in the barber. Then he left the barber shop and he was speaking with three or six friends in the corner of his house. Then she told me that there's bumps uh, near them and four of them uh, passed away. I was so shocked because he is like the same age of me. And two weeks ago, I was having lunch with this cousin in his house. He invited us, me and my mother, to have uh, like a lunch with him. And we have lunch with him, and he was preparing to travel to, to have his own business in Egypt. So she told me, he is in your hospital. So my uncle came, and he wants to take the body and go to the cemetery. So I went down to where they put the, the bodies. But because we have a lot of bodies, we don't have the fridges, fridges to put inside. So they put in, in like a in big room. Like dead bodies in the ground, just like this. At that time, my older brother was a doctor in also in the hospital, so I called my brother, come to help me. Then we searched for him. We searched for him in this room was twelve to ten bodies, dead bodies. Then I found him. So I asked somebody who in charge to take this dead bodies from down to up, and he told me that I'm very busy now. Uh, come and take your cousin by by your own. So I put him in some like uh, mobile bed. Then we gave him to his, uh, his family. After that, I discovered that all his blood covered my, my clothes. I was shocked, like totally shocked. Like, but I can't leave my emergency department without any doctor because I'm first-line doctor. And there's lack of doctors at that time. So I, I asked one of my like colleagues if he can cover my place for one hour. So I take a shower. And back to uh, back to work. So this is what this is life like. I don't think I have time to grave or to be sad like like that. But until now, I I will never f- forget this uh, this day. I don't want to waste four years of studying with school to travel. So I decided to stay in my city, stayed in my university, finished my middle school. Then if I found, after I graduate, a chance to travel, I would travel. But this chance didn't come until mid of my residency, my hospital. My friend told me, okay, give me $3,000. We and you will go to to Germany. It was like you go to Turkey, to Izmir, from Izmir by uh, by small boat to Greece, from Greece, walking to Germany. I was afraid. I was afraid to... Had to go outside Aleppo because a lot of things happened outside, uh, kidnapping, like from 2010 until 2018. I I didn't go outside Aleppo at all. So I was afraid. I, I told him, mm, I if we went, nobody will stay in the hospital. Nobody will stay to help the uh, patients. And also I have to borrow this money from my cousin or from my uncle, something like this. I am the kind of person that I don't like to lend money from anybody. So I okay, I will stay. So I stayed. My my friend was like a little bit more brave than me. He told me I will go. He's doctor in Germany now. He has get married. Everything is good with him. But this is my choice. My choice was to stay, and I don't regret on this decision. I have worked as an anti-volunteer doctor. As volunteer, like with this clinic or project, we are supported from UNHCR. Inside Alipocity, but in the like very like destroyed area. I went once a week. Usually I saw like 25 to 30 patients from 12 to 3 o'clock. Majority of my patients was children. 50% of them, they need uh, surgery but this project was only to see patients, not to transfer them to the hospitals or surgeries. It was so hard. I was so tired. But at least, like, before I sleep, OK, I'm doing something good. I can, like, sleep uh, easily because I helped some, some patients today. Before I came to Ireland, we have a family gathering from my father's side, maybe 25 to 30%. Before I traveled, it was fifteen. Now only ten. All of them traveled, passed away. So n- nobody left now in Syria. So you will not feel like the old days. You will not feel this like connection, family connection, like like anymore. So if you are like a realistic man, you know that it's time to leave. Like my close friend when we in high school, he was so. Uh, Young, uh, powerful, like, very active. He was also so generous. Like, he gave me uh, one pen. He's from Germany. He's very good, good and nice pen. He gifted me after I graduated. After he graduated, he told me he will, he will go to Turkey because he will start working in Turkey in some place with his cousins and friends in Turkey. Then he go to the other side of the city. And after maybe two days, I asked about him. Did he arrive to Turkey? his brother he didn't respond then I heard from another friend that there's some uh, strike airstrike bombs and uh, he died everybody was died around me at that time Cal died uh, kidnapped so I used to this but but closer friends affected me a little bit but at that time I prefer to be busy to like be busy in the work in the hospital, so I don't like I don't think a lot about what is happening, what happened before. This is like my own way to to like escape from this uh, bad memories. It's just like keeping my life busy with uh, work. Until now, like I only use this pen that he gifted me after I graduated. All my studies were with this pen. I don't use any other pen. So until now, he is with me. Like, it was not going to, to solution. It was going to be worse and worse and worse. So at some point of time, you know that you don't have future in this place. If you stay, you just like, uh, you delay your, uh, your fall. Like when we graduated from Aleppo University at mid-school, we were like, I think, 500 to 600 uh, doctors. And now I think only maybe 10, 10 doctors stay in Aleppo or in Syria. All the others now, uh, like uh, outside Syria. Majority of them in Germany, working as a doctor. A lot of UK, Manchester, York, France, some of them in France, Turkey, Gulf area, Qatar, uh, Dubai, Egypt, America also. Maybe there is 20 in America. Uh, nobody in Ireland, only me. <laughs> My cousin, he told me that there is an Irish government program funded by a UN to like, accept maybe 3,000 or 4,000 Syrian refugees. So if you have any part of your family, Irish, Syrian, or Irish, he can apply for part of his first-degree family or cousin. It's called family reunification. So he applied for his father, mother, and sister, and me. He told me, I applied for you. I don't know the decision. It will take one year to know the decision. So I was doing my PhD. And then after one year, it was like uh, 4th of January. I remember that that day, like until now, a private number called me. Private number is more like it's from international. I answered, he told me, how are you? Your application is accepted now and prepare yourself to travel. I was very happy that I will have new life. I can continue my study here. Happy and worried a little bit because I will leave my comfort zone. Because I totally leave all my comfort zone. I have my family, I have my patients. But I told my family, and everybody was happy, and and I'm here now. Yeah, it was Friday, 8th of March, 2019. We traveled four persons: me, my cousin's father, mother, and sister. At that time, I had good sleep. I don't know why. Usually, I don't have good sleep in Syria. <laughs> uh, then I, I don't think I have good uh, like a proper. Uh, Goodbye to my family. Honestly, I very, I'm very bad in saying goodbye to anybody. I don't like to say goodbye to anybody like in general. Not like hugging and tearing. And you know that at least you're not back maybe eight years, ten years. They were, they were crying, but I'm not. I couldn't uh, cry. I don't know why until now. So uh, we go from, uh, from Aleppo to Damascus, from Damascus to Beirut. Um, thank God everything was good. Nothing happened. And then we go to Beirut International Airport. My first time I traveled outside Syria. First time I am in the airplane. My first time. So it was so nice to be in the airplane. Uh, After that, we arrived to Istanbul. From Istanbul straight away, transit to Dublin. I was so happy that I arrived. It was like uh, happy and sad together. You can't... uh, like, uh, okay, who is happiness more or sadness more? No, you can't. It's it's got like mixing together. In the beginning, I had slightly depression, not severe depression, like a little bit depression. Why I'm here, why I'm left, my comfort zone, my patients, my family. Like my source of happiness is health people. I will be very pleased and I am very happy to help any person who needs help. But that of doctors here, struggling for two, three years to start working as, as a doctors here in, in Ireland, so I need that I, I will struggle to start working, at least like for the first job. When you start working, you will feel more comfort, you can feel like you have more integration with the society and community here, and you, you can feel that you are doing something. So what should I do? So okay, I have to register in Irish Medical Council. So okay, you will have to pay fees for like uh, your exams. You have to be patient. I, I focus on my studying, and thank God I passed. But it's take time, especially in COVID nineteen because I have uh, two delays. And one first exam one delay, second exam two delay. I lost like one year at least. When COVID nineteen starts here in Ireland there's lack of doctors. So I told them that I'm ready to, to be frontline worker if you want doctor. I have five years experience as an anti doctor. And and also I brought them two uh two reference from two doctors, vascular surgeon and anesthetist. And they told me uh, we really, really appreciate your help, but you have to have a full registration IMC Council, Irish Medical Council registration. So I told them I'm working on that. I have experience. I have Syrian board, but they refused. They want somebody who registered in Irish Medical Council. So, mm, okay, I don't have any choice. So waiting for now my registration to complete until that I can start working again. I was still like remembering every details in my university hospital. Every patient I I helped, some girl came to our hospital, she has incision in her throat. She couldn't breathe. She breathed from the hole in her neck. So it was a very emergency. So this hole will, will collapse and she will like die. So straight away to the emergency room, there is no, no place. So we have something like recovery room. They are not, not well, well prepared. So then I lie her down, I, I bring my tools very fast. And try to open this uh, this opening to have like a tracheostomy, just open the hole to put the, the tube to breathe. So I called the, the specialist. He couldn't arrive in time because there is pumping and they closed the, the roads. He told me, You are alone. It's my first time I am alone in like major surgery like this. And there's a uh, 10 year old girl, and her father was shouting, crying, and told me, Please. I lost my my son. I don't want to lose also my my daughter, and his his uh, wife also in the operation room next to me. So mother and daughter. I think at that time I'm not ready to take it. I'm not ready at all. But uh, the anesthetist told me Dr. Tarek that you have to put the the tube now or she will die. I, I put the tube, and thank God she she survived. And after that. Uh, Before I traveled, she came to the department and she thanked me and her father. I was so happy, so so happy. Like I I can, like uh, I'm, like I saved her life. I I'm not really prepared to do it, but uh, something happened. I I don't know how I have this power or strength to do that. Every time I remember these stories. Give me some like hope or some fuel, like a fuel, to continue studying here. Not like to uh, regret or like I don't want to continue. I remember that I want to be a doctor here. I want to be a doctor. I don't want to be uh, useless. So I want to help uh, in, in hospitals, helping Irish patients. This is part of my goals that I want to give them something back. Thank God that there is. We have our cousin here every weekend, uh, having lunch with them, uh, dinner with them, going outside with them, Galway, Cork, Park uh, with them. So now after COVID nineteen, every time, every weekend, I went to some new place. My cousin he is part of Sanctuary in Nature and Heritage of Ireland. So now I'm a volunteer in this initiative. Last Saturday went to Cozy Farm. I think in Meath County, maybe yeah. And we went with some Syrian and Albanian refugees, with their families, kids. We saw the animals, then we had uh, uh, lunch with them. So I like to volunteer. It's like uh, I like to do something. So it's helped us, me or any, any like uh, refugee or immigrants, to, to know uh, Ireland heritage and culture and history. So this is part of this integration with the community in Dublin or in Ireland in general. I miss Miss Alibo a lot. I want to go back for for a visit go back to my home to my my room, my university, my hospital uh my friends, all of them now have kids and some white hair. <laughs> I hope I can come back like for at least for a visit to Aleppo. but I don't think it will be like in soon like maybe five years, four years, six years Depending on the situation there and situation my situation here also. About the security now, there is no bumping uh, except for the borders between the two sides. But uh, in general, the the economical situation is so bad, so, so bad. You have to wait to have your bread. You have to wait to have your rice. You have to wait to have your sugar. The electricity is still so bad, especially now in the hot summer. The Syrian currency is so low now and keep blowing, blowing every day. Now, if you have salary from your work, you can't live only one week. And for the three weeks left, you have to maybe fast. Even if working as a doctor, you can't survive more than two weeks. This is why until now, like my brother 33 years old. Until now, he, he couldn't get married because he couldn't have uh, his own house to fund his family and his wife. So, so hard for them now. All my family, like father, mother, one brother and two sisters in Aleppo still, I told them I will start working maybe in the end of this year. So after that, I will send you some money from that I earn. If there is any, like, uh, like, my program resettlement, if I can't apply for them, I will apply for them. If can't, I will still like support them with money I will earn. Uh, I hope it's getting better. I hope. But uh, there is hope and there is facts. Hope, I hope that tomorrow will really end and improving everything. Facts, I don't think that there will be any improvement. So... Uh, I think now we are the worst, uh, the worst point now, from like ten years until now. Before there's pumps, but you can not feed yourself and your family. Now it's a little bit safer, but you can't feed your your family. So this is uh, for me, it's it's worse. So I hope that it's something will happen, some miracle will happen, but I don't think so. Now I have a like, plan to travel maybe before Christmas to Turkey because three months ago I got married from a Syrian girl pharmacist in Aleppo. So she will travel to Turkey so I can see her and I, I can take photos with her so I can apply for a visa for her after I work. I met her uh, when I have worked as an anti-volunteer doctor outside of Aleppo with a doctor group. I have one clinic every week. And she was a pharmacist there, and I saw her, and I, I liked her. She liked volunteer work. She's funny. She likes to help people like me. I, in that situation, I was my my, my life was so messy. Stay or go, travel where? To golf area, to Ireland. So I can't like have this big decision without guarantees. So I, I said, okay, I will not speak with her at all. I will treat her that as, as my colleague. She didn't feel anything that I, I attracted to her. Last year, I felt that it's time. Now Now it's time. Like because I will register in Irish Medical Council, then I will start working, then I can apply for her to uh, join me. So I asked my family to speak with her family in our country. We, you can't go direct For my, my, my character, like traditional marriage, in this point only. Then my mother and sisters go father and ask like our son he's in Ireland he wants to uh, marry your uh, daughter and uh, and they agreed and we have marriage but like the marriage only like in a paper marriage because I can't come back to Syria and she's in Syria so I have to have some photo with her after marriage so this is why I'm planning to go to Turkey to have some photos with her and start applying for her for her to join me. She's planning to have master in pharmacology here because she likes to, to continue her studies. And she wants to work here like me. She, she wants to settle down here with me and have kids and family here. Like, she wants to settle, settle down with me. I don't know about the future in, uh, in general, but I have, everybody has plans. And you know, you know what will happen. Like, COVID-19 uh, came now, and we didn't know it will come. So everything is changing from day to day. My plans my maybe five years or ten years plans is to stay in Ireland to bring my wife to here to have like family here and raise our kids here with the, with my cousins kids with the community here and I hope uh, that I will have a chance to give some something back to Dublin I want to stay in Dublin and Ireland to to give it something back to the Irish society I I thank God that I' am here now. And I'm ready now to, to be a victor here in Ireland.
0: Thanks for listening. This has been a Bearprint Media production, produced by Bjorn McGillah and me, Rob Flynn. Edit and mixed by me, with original music by Haku Yo of Sonic Gate Studios. Special thanks to all our contributors for making this series possible. This series was funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television license fee. If you like this episode, please do share it with your friends and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app you use. Thanks
1: very much for your support.